0: Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Today, we go to the mailbag
1: for a question from one of our listeners. He writes, while doing our group Bible study, I could not find any satisfied answer on 1 Corinthians 8.11. And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? What does perish mean here? Great question. So many believers
2: will read this verse and have the same question. In fact, we've done at least two studies that hinge on the correct understanding of the word perish. Today will be the third. I am Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Please open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians and get ready to join us for another 20-minute Bible study.
3: Jesus, name above all names, I worship worthy to be praised, I worship you.
0: A particular reading from 1 Corinthians, chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee which hast knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when ye sin so against the brethren, and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make My brother to offend, I will eat no flesh, while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend.
1: Wait, 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 hold on. This is kind of silly. Our listener quoted us the King James, so we asked Steve to read the passage from the King James. I don't know about you, Andy, but I find this version very difficult to follow, since it's written in English that was spoken in the 1600s, I think. As Steve mentioned to me, the King James sounds great when reading the poetry of the Old Testament, for instance, the Psalms. But the New Testament was written for the common people in everyday language. These letters, especially, are supposed to sound like someone writing to a friend, not a production of Shakespeare. So let's listen to that again in a translation that's easier for us to follow and, and to understand.
0: A different reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So, if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. That was two different readings of 1 Corinthians 8:9 through 13 The first, the King James translation. The second, the New Living translation. May the Lord add his blessing to both readings Of his word.
2: That's better. Okay, with an open mind and an open heart, we seek to take out of the Bible what God has put into it. And that means it's time to go to space. Space is just an acronym, it reminds us to identify the speaker, audience, and context of a Bible verse before attempting an explanation. In other words, we always put the S, P, A, and C before the E in order to avoid misinterpreting God's word. The speaker here is the Apostle Paul. He was the founder of the church to which he is writing. The audience is the people of the church. And we've studied this church and the problems these people were facing before, haven't we, Jordan?
1: Yes, in the past, we've discussed Corinth as being like Las Vegas, Nevada, because it was the quote unquote sin city of the day. For example, it was known for prostitution. Some 1,000 prostitutes from the temple of Aphrodite lived and worked in that city. And that carnal lifestyle had a big influence on the church there. Many in the church were converts from Greek paganism, the religion that worshipped Aphrodite. So when they backslid into old practices or were tempted, they tended towards sins of a sexual nature. But there were also other pagan practices that the Corinthians struggled to get past, such as worshipping multiple gods and praying to idols. And this led to the issue of whether members of the church should eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Apparently, some were saying it was wrong to eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols because that was like worshiping the idol. Others were saying that view was wrong because those gods were fake and every Christian knows there's only one God and one Lord, Jesus Christ. Paul addresses this argument by siding with those who said the practice was not wrong. But then he immediately goes one step further and counsels them to think spiritually and not intellectually. While knowledge makes us feel important, Paul writes
2: in verse one, it is love that strengthens the church. You know, not all believers are mature enough in the faith to understand that the pagan gods don't really exist. Paul continues in verse seven. And to paraphrase him, they're so accustomed to thinking of idols as being real that when they eat food that has been offered to idols, They think of it as the worship of real gods, and their weak consciences are obviously violated. Generally speaking, the immature believer is a new believer, and most still haven't let go of their old ways and customs. So with this in mind, we should always showcase our love for the brethren and be willing to sometimes make little sacrifices for their sake. Remember, the last thing we want to
1: do is to push them away from the faith in any way. And that brings us to verse 9 in our scripture reading for today. So let's go ahead and break down this Bible passage. Our guest reader today is Alia. 1 Corinthians
3: chapter 8 verse 9 But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble.
1: In contrast to his earlier statement that love strengthens the church, Paul reveals what can weaken the church. Faultless actions that are permissible, but may cause a weaker brother to stumble. Now, since eating meat sacrificed to idols seems like an odd reason for backsliding to us today, we should try to think of some modern challenges that new and weaker believers might face. For it to be a good analogy, it should be something strong, mature believers can do without sinning, but that might tempt weaker believers into old behaviors that do result in sin. Any ideas, Andy? Yes, Jordan. Actually,
2: here's a strange one, but maybe one that will hit home for many. You know, I remember a few years ago, our church had this workers' meeting, right? And Halloween was approaching, and we discussed whether or not our families and children should participate in any way. Now, me personally, when I was younger, I loved Halloween. But when I had my own kids and matured spiritually, I started to wish it actually never existed. I'm sure you guys could understand. But as workers at that time, we were all strongly rooted in God's word, and we took the same position Paul did here regarding eating meat sacrifice to idols. Overall, we felt Halloween wasn't an issue for us since our families knew right from wrong and that spiritually it wouldn't affect us. But for the sake of the new believers and the newer church members to not offend them, we all agreed to start a new tradition on October 31st to take the place of Halloween. So all of us workers chipped in a little money and we rented out a small VFW hall and we put together what we called a hallelujah party in place of a Halloween party. And it was great. I mean, that night we had worship music playing, we prayed together, we had different kinds of food and candy, of course, for the kids, and we had loving fellowship instead. And you know, it turned out to be a great time. Everyone enjoyed themselves and no one felt spiritually grieved. So Jordan, my point my point is, as Christians, yes, we can enjoy the many blessings of our freedoms in God's grace, as long as it doesn't offend our fellow brothers and sisters, and then cause them to fall into their old ways.
3: 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10. For if others see you, with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol?
1: Yeah, this phrase, violate their conscience, is very interesting to me. It suggests that there are some sins that are a matter of the mind. My mom told me a story about what it was like when she became a Christian in the 1960s. And this is sort of a variation of the story that you were telling. You know, it was the counterculture era, so there were many sins in the world to tempt new believers. You know, there was free love and drug culture and all that stuff. My mom said the big one for her circle was actually rock and roll. And we're talking about classic rock that seems very tame by today's standards. You know, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. She said some believers were adamant that Christians should not be listening to that kind of music. You know, and she and her friends, they kind of disagreed. They felt Christians could enjoy the music without necessarily endorsing the message of the music, which was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But for others in her group, listening to that music was sinful and would, quote, violate their conscience and be a stumbling block to their faith to use Paul's language here in Corinthians. So I think that's exactly the sort of situation that Paul's talking about here. 100%, Jordan. You know, whether it's dressing
2: up your kids as a Star Wars character for Halloween or listening to rock and roll or, in Paul's case, eating meat sacrificed to idols, though it might not affect the mature believer in any way, it might affect the new Christian or the weaker believer not strongly rooted in the Bible. Even if we are mature Christians, the last thing we want to be is a stumbling block to those we are trying to set an example for. Jesus taught his disciples in Luke 17, two, saying, It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble.
1: Yeah, so that verse usually is applied to uh, children, speaking of children, and literally that's what was happening there. But it's interesting because you, you went right to the, the metaphorical uh, comparison, which you know, Jesus is saying something deeper, talking about those who are new or very innocent in the in their faith. Exactly,
3: First Corinthians chapter eight, verse eleven. So, because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed.
1: So, this is the key verse that our listener sent, the one that sounds like this in the King James. And through thy knowledge shall the weaker brother perish for whom Christ died. Notice the word rendered perish here is translated destroyed in the New Living Translation and other translations like the NIV. The NASB, our favorite version for careful wording, translates the word ruined. So, we have a word that in the original Greek, and it's uh, Strong's G622, for those of you who want to look it up, Apalami, that Bible translators have rendered to perish, destroy, or ruin. Now let's reason together. Can this word mean eternal destruction and hell? Let's run it down in other places in the Bible and see if that makes sense. We can start by looking to another apostle, the apostle Peter. Andy, please do me a favor and read 2 Peter 3, 8-9. Sure, I'll read in the NASB translation.
2: And it says, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And again, at 2 Peter 3, 8-9. Now, the key words here are beloved and toward you, which indicate the audience. Peter is writing to save people. And of course, there's that word perish, which is the same word we find in 1 Corinthians.
1: Right. So we immediately face a problem if we make perish, you know, eternal destruction in hell. You know, Peter appears to be saying then, if that were true, that the beloved to whom he is writing can go to hell. Now, many people would say, yeah, that's right. See, you can lose your salvation. But hold on, let's keep going. Andy, let's go back to 1 Corinthians to the first chapter of this time and to verse 18. Sure. Here's the NASB version again.
2: And it states, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And that's 1 Corinthians 1.18. And the key phrase here is "Those who are perishing" and "us who are being saved." Notice both phrases indicate continuous, ongoing action
1: that is not yet completed. And of course, we see our keyword word "perishing" is here again. Right, So now the problem gets worse. I thought we were saved and we believed in Jesus, but Paul seems to suggest that we are only in the process of being saved, and that suggests that perhaps we can even I don't know, slip backward and fall into the category of those who are perishing. Yeah, but if that's true,
2: then the verses we're studying are even more troubling. It seems to suggest that maybe some brothers in Christ are so weak that we can cause them to slip backward and end up back on the highway to hell. I mean, it's crazy. And it doesn't get any better in the next verse.
3: 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 12. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ.
2: The word sinning against Christ does not sound like anything we would ever want to do. It sounds like a very serious sin. So is Paul saying that not only could our actions cause a brother or sister to return to the highway to hell, I mean, it could maybe even put us on the highway to hell.
1: Yeah, we've dug a pretty deep hole here, Andy. But hang on a minute. Isn't the most famous statement of Jesus that, quote, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life? That's John 3.16. And yes, that's the same word we are talking about today. And didn't he also say, quote, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand? John 10.28. And again, that's the same word. Something must be going on here where this word perish doesn't mean going to hell in these contexts. That is absolutely right. Something important
2: is going on. It's something that God needs believers to understand if we are to correctly discern his word. Knowing the difference between the milk and the meat, that's the key here. And if this is the first time you've ever even heard of what I'm about to share, don't feel bad at all. Jordan and I have been there ourselves.
1: Jordan, what does the Bible say about not knowing the meat of the word? The writer of Hebrews touches on this in chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, which say, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food, or meat in some translations. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food, or meat again, is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Right, so there you have it. This is biblical. It's pure and it's simple.
2: Christians studying the word need to understand the difference between the milk and the meat. That includes knowing the differences between the spirit, the soul, and
1: the body. And how each are saved. And by the way, we have plenty of past lessons archived on our website detailing much more about this subject. You can just visit 20mbs.org to listen to them. But back to our lesson we know that according to Scripture, man is a trichotomy. In other words, we were created by God in three parts, made in his image. Remember, God is a Trinity, so it makes sense that we're also a Trinity. Exactly. And yes, when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden,
2: All three parts fell and died. And when the second Adam, Jesus Christ, came to fix what the first Adam destroyed, he redeemed all three parts of our trichotomy. The moment we accept Jesus as Savior, our spirit is saved. And remember, that's past tense. As we daily repent from our sins and walk the straight and narrow paths in our lives, our souls are being saved. And that's in the present tense. And one day in the future, when the Lord Jesus himself raptures his believers to follow him to his seat, otherwise known as the Judge of the Seat of Christ, our bodies will be resurrected and will be saved. That's in the future tense.
1: Yes, so in quick summary, when studying the scriptures regarding salvation and challenging verses like the ones we're studying today, we must always consider the context of it. You have to ask yourself as a Bible student, is it speaking of our spirit salvation? our soul salvation, or our bodily salvation. If we do not study and learn these differences, we're going to grossly misinterpret God's perfect word and want to cause ourselves and others to believe false doctrines.
3: 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble.
2: Paul's concern of being responsible for causing another believer to stumble is not what most people think it means. It was absolutely not about him worrying that believers could lose their salvation and one day end up in a lake of
1: fire, which was designed one day for Satan. Yeah, the key here is understanding the differences between the gift versus the prize. And here are some examples of how those two contrast. Romans 11.29 tells us the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Our spirit salvation or calling was predestined by God and it cost us nothing. It is a free gift that he will never revoke, irrevocable, or take away.
2: Yeah, Jordan. And in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14, Paul writes to his fellow believers who are spiritually saved already. And he says this, "Brethren." I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So here we see God is teaching us about the prize, which we Christians have to reach forward for, press on daily for, and spiritually work for. The prize, different from the gift, has to be won, you know, as if winning a race. And it has to be earned by a Christian for his or her soul salvation. And today the Holy Spirit is teaching us to follow suit with Paul and always be careful that our choices do not cause a weaker or newer Christian to fall back into the world and then miss out on the great reward that's waiting for us. That reward or prize is to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ during his millennial kingdom. So now we see Paul was concerned that if by eating meat sacrificed to idols, he could be the cause for weaker believers to end up losing their inheritance and missing the chance to serve Christ
1: Jesus during the 1,000-year kingdom age. That's 20 minutes, and that's our lesson. Before we go, don't forget, we want to hear from you. We welcome your questions and comments, even if you don't agree with us. I mean, we prefer if you agree with us, but obviously we're also interested in, if you don't, and hearing your um, Bible-backed reasons why. Feel free to just give us a call and leave a message. Our number is 908-271-6717. If you ask a good question or make a good point, we may even put you on the show. Once again, our number is area code 908 271 Six, seven, one, seven. You can also find us
2: on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube, or you could visit our website at 20mbs.org. That's the
1: number 20, followed by the letters mbs.org. Do you want to listen to this Bible study again? It's easy. Just go to 20mbs.org. That's the number 20 followed by the letters mbs.org. On the website, you can also subscribe and have these lessons automatically delivered to your inbox. Once again, that's 20mbs.org. Until next time, we leave you with the words of the Apostle
2: Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple. Our music was recorded by the Abundant Life Worship Center. Our sound editor is J.P. Eli. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly.
2: of the Kingdom Incorporated.